You're listening to Irish Radio Canada at Home and Abroad, and we started out 2018 on our first show of the year by having a Limerick performer come on the show in the form of Emma Langford. And we're finishing out 2018 going back to Limerick because Paddy Brennan has compiled a magnificent book, Limerick Music Throughout the Decades. And Emma was one of the people who was at the launch of the book. And uh, we're going to have a chat with Paddy and hear about Limerick Music Throughout the Decades. Paddy, thanks a million for coming along for a chat. Thank you very much, Austin. Good night to you. Anything like this, Paddy, is a labour of love because you you become so immersed in something and you become so in tune, literally, with the surroundings that you say something needs to be done. I can only imagine that's what happened with you. Yes, Austin. Well, the original idea would have been um, probably about five years ago. I put together um, a CD. First of all, I was saying, I put all my favourite Limerick songs down in a CD, and I had about 18 songs that I liked over the years by Limerick artists. So I said I'd pursue it and see could I get it done professionally and so on. But that started with 18 songs, and it wound up with a triple CD box set of 62 songs, including a 40-page booklet. So that took me actually two years because I had to go through royalties, clearances from record companies, from publishing houses, and from the artists themselves who may have owned the, the, the recordings. So that was a, a momentous uh, task, but it turned out very well, and the, the great Limerick man, Bill Whelan, known internationally, he, he launched the CD in Limerick about five years ago for me. So that started the idea of... Uh, I said then that, well, Limerick was um, down on on audio. The, the, the great musical history of Limerick was on audio. So let's put it in print. Right. Now, but before yeah. before you have ever got to that, Paddy, you yourself yeah. also had always been involved and had a love of and were inv- uh, participated in the music industry. Yes, well, obviously, uh, I grew up in the era of the Beatles. They would have been my ba- my favourite group back in from when time they were formed in 62, 63. So I was listening to the Beatles when I was a teenager. And uh, then um, a, few, a few years later, there was a, a big boom in um, beat groups in the British Isles and um, in, in Ireland and in Limerick as well. And you had... Beat groups in Limerick, lots of beat groups in Limerick, a four-piece, three guitars and a drum. And um, so everybody wanted to be in a beat group. So I tried to participate with some friends in the local area, not professionally or anything like that, just playing in my father's garage and maybe entering a few competitions, um, beat group competitions, which would have been run locally in the city, and um, never made anything of it. We just enjoyed ourselves by strumming away a few of the songs by the Kinks or the Beatles or the Stones or the Who and all these bands. So um, that was my first start, but I didn't pursue a professional career in music. I got married in 1970, so things changed then, but I still um, took the interest in music because I was still following the, when, when the beat group scene finished in Ireland, you had a showman scene started, right. which I'm sure lots of your listeners in Canada 
would have uh, the Irish people would have danced to the show bands back in the 50s and 60s in Ireland before maybe they emigrated. Well, um, well, on that one, before we we go out, the earlier on in the show we were chatting with an MP here who is the head of the Ireland Canada Interparliamentary Group. And he grew up yep. in uh, Northern Ontario, and he said he remembers what were the Carlton show band, and that was his yeah. introduction to yeah. live Irish music. They were the very first. Their Clipper Carlton was actually the full name. Correct. They yeah. were from North Ireland. I think they were from Oma, but yeah. they were from the North of Ireland. The Clipper Carlton. They became the first show band because they put the show into band. Um, they not only just um, uh, did. The, the normal pop popular songs of the, the late 50s but they did gimmick songs like Spike Jones may have been doing in, in America and um, the Ink Spots and all those bands and um, they were doing you know gimmicky songs and there was about nine or ten and uh, so they were a complete show they would have a spot in the in the show where the drummer might do a solo for about six minutes and everything would stop. All the dancers would stop, look up at the drummer doing a solo like Gene Krupa or Sandy Nelson or one of these. And um, so they were, they were a show. So they, they started the whole thing. Right. And it followed on then with the Royal Show Band and the, 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 the Miami Show Band and all the famous show bands that came from Ireland. And I know coming out of Limerick, I remember there was Tommy Drennan. Oh yes, Tommy is a great friend of mine. We talk practically every week. Tommy doesn't perform professionally anymore. Um, he will sing uh, occasionally at a benefit concert, sing a few songs, but he doesn't do his circuit anymore because um, Tommy had a great voice and right. uh, very popular. He had a great career in music from the time he was a boy soprano in the Redemptorist Choir in Limerick and up through the show bandera, and then he broke out with his own five-piece band or four-piece band doing weddings and so on. But Tommy has been immersed in show bands and toured America, and I'm sure probably toured some parts of Canada as well in the heyday of the show bands in the 60s. So, Paddy, in the heyday of the show bands, what band names were coming out of Limerick? Well, there wasn't many, believe it or not. Outside of the, the Monarch show band, there was another band from Esquite in County Limerick called Donny Collins. Now, Donny Collins had a band, and obviously there were mo mostly Limerick people, city and county, but he also became involved in the ballroom circuit. Himself and two others set up chains of ballrooms, associated ballrooms, I think they were called. So they opened dance halls all over the country. So he was able to divert some of his interest into the ballroom situation when his band began to change members and maybe lose popularity because there was something similar in Ireland at the same time with the Reynolds brothers, Jim and Albert Reynolds, Albert who became Taoiseach of the country, the equivalent of your Prime Minister, and yep. um, the, the Reynolds brothers started a series or a chain of ballrooms all over the country, and they were all called Land. That's right. Dream I was. Land, I grew up land. in near the Roseland in Moat. Roseland in Moat. They were all called Land. Yeah, there was one in Limerick, which was called the Jetland, and the reason it was called the Jetland because we were near Shannon Airport with the right. jets. So. Uh, 
but they, they, that was the, the, the there was another one or two smaller bands in Limerick, but the, the ones that made it on the national circuit, say, were the, the first division bands, we call them, would have been the Monarchs and Donny Collins. The other bands would have been still touring around, but they wouldn't have been the biggest draw, like the Royal Show Band, the Capital Show Band, the Miami Show Band, lots of Dublin bands, then the Northern Ireland bands were very popular as well. That's right. Hawk bands, the Dixies with Joe Mack. So that's the only show bands that would have been really in Limerick. It was a, it was a few well-known bands. And of course, when you, mentioned the Dix, when you mentioned the Dixies, then Brendan O'Brien, uh, Brendan Bre O'Brien, Brendan's yeah. daughter Trish lives in Toronto and is involved is right? in the music industry. Is that right? Now, I knew Brendan very, very well. Brendan was one of the nicest people you could ever meet. A real cork man down to earth. He played, uh, we in Limerick, I started Limerick Rock and Roll Club back in 1979. And the reason we started the Rock and Roll Club was because um, you had a, the disco scene was, was after taking over in the, the mid-70s mid with the Bee Gees and um, all these bands. And there was no place for people to do a few jives and dances like there were in the 60s. So we started a Rock and Roll Club where Everything, all the music played would have been, say, from 1955, from Bill Haley, up to 1969. Nothing outside of that 15 years, and it gave the opportunity. So Brendan O'Brien played on one or two occasions for us, and a thorough gentleman. Really had a great time. He was a lovely person. And, he, of course, he was very famous for doing the Buddy Holly uh, improvisation. Right. He was the, the body Holly of Ireland, Brendan O'Brien. So, Paddy, if, if, if we were to even take a, a few years back, if we were to take a step back farther, even um, prior to the show band scene and tri prior to the the uh, quartet scene, did Limerick have a big music heritage? Uh, be it in the last century through this century, in the days of the music hall or in the days of other types of music. Well, in the, say, back in, uh, in 1840, around that era, um, we had a, an opera singer who became world famous. Catherine Hayes was her name. Now, she was, um, she was born in poor circumstances in Limerick, but she was taken under the tutelage of a Protestant um, bishop who saw the potential for her singing voice, and he got lessons for her, and sent her overseas for lessons and so on, with the result that she toured the world and she was a sensation, spe specifically in Australia. She was very famous in Australia. She played for Queen, Queen Victoria in London, right? I'm sure it was Queen Victoria, Queen Elizabeth, one of the queens at the time in, in London. And I'm sure she, she, she toured America and maybe Canada as well. Catherine Hayes was her name from Patrick Street in Limerick. So... Unfortunately, there's no recordings of Catherine Hayes available, but she would have been the big star of that era, 19, or 1840, 1865, so on. We also had another person by the name of Joseph O'Mara, who um, later on his family would have been famous um, bacon factory owners in Limerick City. Limerick was famous for the bacon factories. There was three or four of them there at the time, and the O'Maras were the main uh, employers, one of the main employers in Limerick City. But Joseph O'Mara toured the world again. He would have been the era, maybe, of John McCormack mm. in the late 1890s, so on. 
He died, I think, about 1927. But he made a, a name for himself internationally as well, and he recorded. But um, they would have been the only two that would have come out of Limerick. Then we had local operatic societies and choral unions and all that type of, you know, light opera right, in right. Limerick in the early part of this century. Okay, so let's come back up to the, the show bands and from there on. So um, as music evolved, and I know within uh, after the show bands evolved into, uh, with when the disco started, um, it, there was the demise of the show bands in many ways. And yeah. then uh, there was a resurgence, but oftentimes not in the format of the band, but in more... I suppose even a sedate type of environment where you would have concerts and things. So, yes, how, what yes. was the the Limerick scene like at that point? Yes, but well you see, uh, as the years went by into the late seventies, people were demanding a bit more comfort. In in the dance halls were generally four walls and a bar. Well, no, they hadn't even a bar. Lots of them, most of them hadn't a bar. A mineral, mineral bar. bar. That's the mineral so, bar. A mineral bar, yes. There was no alcohol in any of the ballrooms, no. but people would acquire alcohol before they went in. But So people, as we moved into the 70s and late 70s, people were looking for a bit more comfort. So that started the cabaret lounges. So lots of these bands cut down to four or five and performed in cabaret. The lead singers of some of the bands, which just would have uh, just a basic rhythm section behind him, and performed in Cabaret. So the Cabaret scene took over for uh, in the late 70s and very popular, again, in every city in Ireland, including Limerick. Lots of the well-known Cabaret artists, and a lot of them would include former show band people right. who would have been the, the, main, the main performers. So that, that, was, that followed on from the demise of the show bands. And then maybe the rock bands then started taking over in the the, the, the nineteen eighties, and progression from there into different punk rock, which was beginning to be popular. Limerick was never very big in the punk rock scene, but we had we had a band in Limerick um, in the in the eighties, and um, they, they were very very well known in America. They, they nearly broke through in America and made one album. The band were called Choose the Blue. They're from Limerick, and they made one album for EMI Manhattan and spent six months in Montreux in Switzerland recording it with a famous producer. Great album, Shibumi was the name of the album, but it just didn't, something, whatever happened with promotion and so on, it just didn't click with the result that they came back home and one thing led to another, they split up and so on, but they were on the verge. Right. They were on the verge of making a breakthrough. And, of course, that breakthrough then was completed with the Cranberries in 1989, 1990, when the Cranberries started. In fact, I have to tell you, the first time uh, we came to Canada in 1988, and it uh, would have been in the early 90s I started traveling, and I was out in Vancouver. Uh, and I remember going into a restaurant for lunch, and the tingle running down my spine because as I was having my bowl of soup, uh, Dolores O'Riordan was coming out over the speakers. And I thought, here am I at the western edge of Canada listening to yes. an Irish band. Irish band, probably Linger or Dreams. It was, uh, yeah, it was. was yeah. So they, they, made, they made a big 
breakthrough for Limerick. But we, we, we must not uh, forget as well, back in 1967, Richard Harris had a worldwide hit at MacArthur Park. That's right. I mean, he, he, he wasn't, as we know, Richard wasn't a singer, he was an actor. Yeah. But his voice was pretty good as well, and he made a good few albums. But that was, that was a worldwide smash hit. And uh, he was from Limerick, and he always maintained his Limerick roots, sporting roots and sporting interests in Limerick, and came back to Limerick as often as possible. So we also had another Limerick man um, who was very popular in England, Terry Wogan. Indeed. He was the most popular disc jockey in, in, in the British Isles, 10 million listeners every day his show but um, he made one record a novelty record or something like that but he wasn't really an artist a performing artist or anything like that but Richard Harris would have been up there with the great Limerick uh, singers or personalities of the, of the 60s right, right right so then in so more then recent in times um, how has the music scene been around Limerick recent times in more recent times well, um, it's it's difficult to say. Like everything else, um, music goes through different phases, and you also you you always have bands starting up and trying to make a, a living. But with today's technology, it's very difficult for a band to get a recording contract and to sell product. Because, um, you know, people don't want to buy physical product anymore. They don't want to buy albums or CDs even, probably. So, you know, it's difficult for a band like that. And you have to be exceptional to, to get a recording contract. Uh, nobody has really come through in Limerick since the time of the Cranberries in 1990. Right. Uh, but there is still a vibrant music scene in Limerick because bands will always be playing. Um, we have several venues which um, cater for rock bands, venues which cater for traditional bands, and then we have a we fine concert hall which caters for everything. But um, but there is a good scene in Limerick, but not as um, not as uh, prolific as it was because uh, young bands and young. Uh, musicians get delusioned if they're not getting anywhere and they find out something else to do and they might drift, out, drift away from bands and not play anymore and so on like that. Indeed. But it'll always be there. Like. Well, at the launch as well, um, you had another great Limerick person in the music but, uh, scene who is based in the US now, Mick Maloney. Yeah, Mick Maloney, of course. Mick, uh, um, he'd, I don't ever remember Mick playing in a band in Limerick. Mick was a former schoolmate of mine back in the Christian Brothers back in 1960, and we kept our friendship up over all the years. But Mick, um, when he left Limerick to go to study in Dublin in college, uh, he was in a band called the Johnstons were a folk band, uh, three, uh, three members of the one family, and he joined the Johnstons with Paul Brady. Yeah. Paul went, Paul Brady from the north. Yeah. He, he went on to have a great successful career as a songwriter and as a performer. So the Johnstons were very, very big in the early 70s in, in Ireland, and I'm sure they played in Canada and played Indeed. in New York as well because they made the run I think they were on the transatlantic record label they made a lot of recordings so Mick progressed from there and then left the Johnsons after a few years and went to live in America and study and uh, I think he's the 
one of the most decorated traditional musicians in America. I think, yes. And, and I know he did a lot of, has done a lot of research as well on yes. how the Irish uh, music scene yes. evolved in the US and one of his pieces of work was a study on the, how the Irish and the Jews worked the Jew collaboratively. Right, and the, and, yes, uh, all the, the great uh, Jewish composers like George M. Cohen and all those. He studied all that yeah. and uh, he's very interested in, in that scene. And he lectures in New York University. And he also has his own group called the Greenfields of America. And they tour constantly uh, all over America and they they were in Mexico this year as well, but I'm sure they would be up around Niagara Falls and they would be around the area you, you come from. Yeah. So Mick is very active still Indeed. in the music scene in America. So then uh, we opened up by mentioning early on at the beginning of the year I had had a chat with Emma Langford and Emma is uh, a rising star coming out of Limerick. Yes, yeah, she's beginning to make inroads now in Limerick. Um, she's a good songwriter. She's a lovely voice, and um, she's, she's her own band. I don't, I don't, I think most of her band are from outside of Limerick, but um, she's doing tours in in Germany and Holland and in Ireland as well. And I, I presume she's probably working on her second album, her first album. She she got a big award this year for folk artist of the year or something like mm-hmm. that early in the year. So um, Emma is a, she's a lovely singer. And um, so hopefully she may follow on and um, follow on the late Dorsa Reardon's footsteps and maybe make a name for herself outside of Limerick. Coming back to the work yourself, Paddy, uh, and we we forgot to mention that you had been involved in radio uh, early on and yes. you, uh, the days of pirate radio, you were oh, putting yeah. on yeah. Mu- yeah. Uh, programs I at that time. That. Yeah. So that in, increased mm. your love of music, I'm sure, and yes, your knowledge. Yeah. But pirate, the, the pirate, pirate radios were very popular in Ireland, say from about 1977 for about seven or eight years. And um, they were all over the place. I was on a radio station in Limerick called Big Hill. Right. And they were the most popular radio station in, in, in Limerick area. They were very well run. Even though it was a pirate, nobody got paid. <laughs> That's right. No one anyway, nobody got paid, probably except the, the guys who owned it. But um, they were... So I, I was on pirate radio doing mostly rock and roll show and also the Wednesday night I would do kind of easy listening, Nat King Cole, Perry Como, all this nice slower man, Johnny Mathis, all that type of stuff right. on Wednesday night. So that kept my interest going all through the years in... In the, and then I started doing this chalky work outside of the radio, right. you know, um, weddings and uh, shows right. and things like that. So that has been my involvement. I've kept in touch with the music scene all through the years so I would know what was going on because I would be in the same venues as all the bands and the emerging bands who were coming up. And so then, of course, that led into this fantastic work that you've produced, yeah. which we must say... Um, is not available. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> the book sold out completely in about in a few weeks. <laughs> you know, the, the local shops here told me they were amazed that a self-published book would go so fast because I I, I did this entire project in my computer in front of me where I'm speaking to you now from, and um, it didn't go to a publisher. 
Um, publisher, I did inquire at the beginning from a publisher, two publishers, one in Cork and one in Dublin, but they were not interested that much because they felt if this book was Limerick only, how could they sell it in all the small towns all over the country? It may, you know, right, we have Limerick people everywhere, the same as you have Cork people and Dublin people everywhere in the world, but they weren't shown an interest. And I said, look at that, this has to come out. So I, I said, I try and raise funds by patronship and sponsors and so on. People that had, would have helped me and they got acknowledged in the book to get me going. So about three years, about three years ago I started. And um, then as I went along, I got another idea that I may, may as well accompany this uh, book with a, a CD of stuff that I hadn't got on the previous three CDs, the 62 songs. So I came up with 32 other songs by Limerick artists. First one goes back to 1900 and 1946 and moving up in all different genres of Cayley music and um, brass bands, show bands, uh, traditional music, all that type of stuff. And um, so I was working on two fronts trying to get the CD organized. And um, but the CD only when you see there was two special there was two editions of this book. There was a special limited edition box which was limited to 250 copies, and you got the hardcover, you got the double CD, lots of memorabilia pieces about Limerick and origins of music things that I did over the years, and it went into a special presentation case. And that's there was only 250 of those in existence, and they all patrons bought those straight away. Right. Then there was the soft cover which was a thousand copies um i i you know, speaking to you tonight austin i i'll i'll have to see would there be some soft cover around to try and get to you because i'd love you to see it indeed, I, indeed. I, I could send you images on the computer now but it's not the same <laughs> i i went for a very high quality product which if you saw the book had it in your hand yeah. you'd know straight away this cost a lot of money i know i know so i came up against obstacles trying to get it patrons on board and so on but I persevered because I knew I think I knew after about a year when I had at least 100 120 pages done and I could see the qualities was there on the, of the photographs that I had of the articles that I had I could see and I was kind of confident that this is going to be a winner but then it got bigger and bigger and bigger as I started looking at photographs, saw some people in photographs, and then realized that maybe their father before them was in another band or in an opera society, so I had to pursue all those as well. Right. But I was lucky that, um, in a way, like I'm not a writer, I'm not an author or a writer, um, I was able to pull in a lot of lim other Limerick people who, who wrote articles for me, I mean, for instance, on the classical music scene in Limerick in the past hundred years, or on the operatic, I, that wouldn't have been my scene at all. And so I was able to get people who, that was their genre, and they helped me out by getting information, maybe putting uh, one or two essays together or articles together. So it was all pulled together with other people as well, contributing articles, which they would have been the experts in. But um, I wrote about what I knew, right, and right. this was pointless me writing about an opera singer, which I'd have to go into ex 
extensive research and I wouldn't be if I'm not well if I'm not um, familiar with it I prefer not to do it at all the, the, you know you're leaving yourself wide open when you go down that road you are you are so, but so the, yeah but at the same time um like if I wrote about, an, as I said, an opera singer or a classical singer, uh, I could leave myself. But if I got an expert in that knew all about this, at least <laughs> I wasn't passing the book to them. But at the same time, I knew that they would have been correct in their their uh, laying out of the material on that particular artist. Right. But so um, bringing it right up to today, I think it would be well to mention that there's a tremendous institution out the road from you there in the University of Limerick that I know yes. has a very vibrant music uh, curriculum. Yes, or it has a World Academy. The World Music Academy is situated in on the campus of UL and it was started about 20 years ago by a, a, a man who passed away just only a few months ago. He was due to to speak at my launch of the book, but he became ill. And Michal O'Sullivan is his name. And he was very, very famous in traditional music. He was born in Clanmel in County Tipperary, but he spent most of his life in Limerick. And he started the World Music Academy in UL. And it brought in students from all over the world to, uh, to, to, to learn traditional music and heritage and so on and dance. So... Um, he would have been he would have been the main man behind it, but it's a it is a big thing for Limerick that World Academy of Music in, in the UL campus. And indeed, that's probably a good note for us to wrap up, Paddy. It's been a tremendous honour to have a chat with you. And the name of the book is Limerick Music uh, Throughout the Decades, and it's by Paddy Brennan, and it's not not available. But, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. Um, maybe, maybe. It, should, it may become available at some stage in the future again, and obviously, maybe. if I it might, does, yeah, something to be treasured. Yeah, I might revisit it. But if you, uh, you, if people wanted to get in touch with me from Canada, I'm sure there's an awful lot of Limerick people in Canada Indeed. who are listening to your program in Ottawa. Um, uh, feel free to give my email address, uh, Austin. Well, and you're out on Facebook. You can you can be found on Facebook as well. I don't know. I don't, I don't think I do Facebook at all. But okay. if they want to send me an email, I, I mean, I have no problem at all in sending them some images. Maybe they might want to see an oral photograph of a band that their parents, they played at their parents' uh, wedding back in 1940 or something like that, and they were probably living in Canada themselves. But I might have that band, and I, I don't know inhibitions whatsoever of sharing what I have in the book or anybody else. Well, you heard Paddy's invitation there, and it's patrickedwardbrennan at gmail.com. We'll yeah. get you, Paddy. You never know, and as I say, I, I, would, I wouldn't be a bit surprised if we see another uh, a re, a reprint, <laughs> uh, a second run yeah. of the print. Yeah. It, well, Paddy Brennan's been an honour, as I say, chatting with you, and wishing you every yeah. success in 2019. Yeah, and thank you very much for your interest. <laughs> Thank you.